The world's always going to change and you're going to work for companies that they're going to need to change along with the markets and all of the external factors that we have no control over. What we do have control over is how we want to look at things, how we want to process it, internalize it, and then the actions we want to take. Your development is your own responsibility, first and mm. foremost. Not the company's responsibility and not your boss's responsibility. And they will invest in you and they're going to obviously be a big piece of that picture. But in terms of your development, your career path, there's one person who's ultimately responsible for that. And that is each one of us. Brett Berry knows as much as anyone about advancing in one's career. He became the number one student sales rep in Cutco Vector and achieved Hall of Fame status with the company in a six-year period. He has spent most of his professional career in the medical device sales industry, where he has been a superstar in both sales and management. It hasn't always been a straight line to success for Brett, and he has had to overcome some bumps in the road by learning and mastering the strategies and skills to advance in one's career. He shares his best strategies in his new book, Promoted, The Proven Path to Career Advancement. And we discuss these strategies in this informative conversation today. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I have a repeat guest today, Mr. Brett Barry with me. Brett was a top flight Cutco sales rep for about six years, some 20 years ago. And he was the number one college student sales rep in the company during that time. He qualified for the Cutco Vector Hall of Fame. And he has gone on since that time to a tremendous career, mostly in the medical device industry. He has had great success as both a sales rep, an individual contributor, and as a leader or manager in his organizations that he has run. So he's highly qualified to talk about career success. And he just recently released a book called Promoted. We're going to talk a lot about that and some of the key points that he has to offer. Brett Berry, welcome back to the podcast. Dan, thanks for having me. Appreciate you having me back too. Yes. I can't absolutely. believe it's been 20 years since... Uh, since the, the Cutco days for me. Makes me feel old. It's wild. It's wild. <laughs> yeah, I know. Good um, times. For sure. Be- very good times. And I definitely remember you being a star here in the Western region. So great to have you back. Tell us a little bit about your work history after Cutco. I'm looking for you to 
share just how you've been able to succeed and advance throughout your career? Yeah, no. So I, I loved my time at Cutco and had a great time, built a ton of skills and, and was able to make a really good income at, at a really young age in my professional career as well. And when I looked at moving on, some of the aspects that were part of the Cutco business were definitely things that I looked for in my next role. And I looked at a lot of different things, ultimately ended up in the medical device space. I felt like a lot of the skills and, and experience that I'd gained through my time with Vector transferred very well over in that in that space, along with just the overall entrepreneurial aspect of what's such a big part of the Cutco culture is very much so a piece of the medical device space. And so, so I moved into that and as a sales rep in Northern California, covering uh, Northern and Central California for uh, for one of the orthopedic product lines at that time, and transitioned, and things went went really really well. I was able to utilize a lot of the, the a lot of the things that made me successful with Vector translated very very well into medical device sales. Obviously, you know, learning you know how to latch on to mentors, taking advantage of the training, the aspect of investing in yourself and and utilizing all the resources available for you not just what a company offers and so uh so things went really really well ended up winning president's club a couple times in my first couple of years there and then after after succeeding in that business for a few years I, I made the decision that i really wanted to get into sales leadership and it was something dan I, you know you remember i never went down that path when i was with vector and uh really enjoyed the autonomy and and uh you know a lot of that individual autonomy and and freedom that i had during my time with vector but i decided that at that point after a few years in, in medical device sales i wanted to get into sales leadership and i wanted to have a bigger impact on not just my organization but also the people in the organization as well and and that was where i hit my first real career roadblock there was an opening in uh, early 2009 that I interviewed for to take over a region in the Pacific Northwest. And, and I ended up not getting that job. And at the time, I was pretty disappointed. Uh, had some you know, really deep conversations with, with the area vice president at the time. And, and you know, you, your reader or your listeners can hear about those conversations throughout the book. But ultimately, I wasn't ready for the position. And uh, it ended up being a, a really great silver lining in my career where it showed me that there was an aspect of leadership and, and several things that, that pertain to leadership that I just hadn't learned and been able to show at a, at a level to be able to connect with uh, sales leaders and salespeople at all different levels and all different points of their career. And so, uh, so through the book, that's uh, ultimately what, what I talk about is, is that journey of really encountering my first career roadblock and some of the steps that I've had to take along the way to overcome those and to reach levels of success and leadership and, and help other people do the same. Yeah. You said you were not ready at that time. How, how do you weigh being not ready for that next step versus somebody giving you a chance to sort of step into the role and learn a little bit as you go. Cause I think we do a little bit of both of those things at, yep. with Cutco. Yeah, no. And I, and I think there's definitely a lot of value in that. I am a big fan of that. It's not always a bad idea to promote someone before they're ready, but I think it depends on the situation. And in that particular situation in med in the medical device industry, that team, if I had gotten that promotion early on, that team was a very experienced team of medical device sales reps. I mean, some of them had been in the business for 15, 20, 25 years. 
And so, and, and we were also going through a pretty significant transition period in our company. And so there were a lot of moving parts. And, you know, ultimately, I think the, the senior leaders that were above me at the time, they just looked at that and they said, look, we want to put you in a position to succeed in your next role. And this is going to be a very challenging situation. We have another candidate that has a little more experience and, and has gone through some more training in terms of leading teams and, and leading through change and different things like that. And not that we don't know, not that you couldn't do that, but we just haven't seen enough to know that that's the safest bet right now. We think she's a, she's a better fit at this time, but we do like what you've done so far. And we want to invest in you. And, and that to me was, was the good thing was that they, they were invested in me and they were committed to helping me develop my skills and, and level of leadership. And, and over the next several years, I invested in myself, invested in them and showed them that those leadership capabilities and things that they were looking for, I did possess them. And, and eventually there came a time and an opportunity where it made sense. So nice, nice. So then you did get that chance to advance into leadership eventually. And you thrived as yeah. a leader uh, throughout your career, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. A every leadership position that I've, and, and I've been really fortunate where every leadership position that, uh, that I've been in over the last several years, it made sense at that time. It was a good fit for me. I was a good fit for what the company needed and for whoever was going to lead that particular part of the business. And so, uh, you know, I would tell people if you go for something and uh, go for a job or a promotion and you don't get it be, and you're maybe not ready or there might be someone that the company or the senior leaders feel are more ready at that time, it's OK to be a little disappointed. But what you have to do is really dig in and, and get feedback from them and find out what were those things that they wanted to see a little bit more of from you and how can you work to either build those skills or show that you have them. And so. I think that was the silver lining that it took me probably an extra three or four years after that to get my first management position. But once I did, I had a framework and a model and, and it, I was successful and, and I've been able to, to leverage that success through the last several roles that I've had. So I don't think it's a bad thing if, if someone gets passed up. Right. For sure. I think that there's a constructive way to look at those types of things happening in your career and, and the opportunity it gives you to build more of the skills you need is the, the flip side of that, uh, not moving up too quickly. You talked about building your skills or showing you have them. Naturally, both of those things are important. Those are a couple of things that you talk about uh, in your book. You start out in your book by talking about crushing your current job. And for anyone in anything that wants to advance and thrive, naturally, really crushing it where you are right now is the first step up the ladder. What are the opportunities to watch for while someone is excelling in what they're doing now? I think a couple of things. One is really looking for to build relationships with, with people around you, people on your team, your boss, people above your boss in the organization, leaders in other departments. I think that's that's a big piece. Because if you do want to be a leader in any company, even outside of sales for that matter, in leadership, you're going to interact with people of all levels of the organization. You're going to interact with all different departments. And so I think building a relationship with people that lead those departments and then really taking the opportunity as you build those relationships to learn what their day-to-day -day life is like. What are the objectives of their department? What are their deliverables? What's asked of them from the company? 
Because when you are in a leadership position, you're going to have to interact with those people. You're going to have you're going to have to reach out to customer service. You're going to have to reach out to finance. You're going to have to reach out to supply chain for certain things. And so I think having relationships with people in those spaces and and having that that lifeline that you can call that they know you know they're going to pick up the phone and try to help you because you've got a relationship that's beneficial. But I think ultimately having an understanding of what their life is like and how to work most effectively with their department, that's the other thing that I think a lot of times people miss. Because if you're in leadership, you're kind of the glue that's holding everything together, especially if you're a sales leader. You've got sales reps that are out there in the field trying to promote the products and help customers get them as effectively as possible. And then you've also got internal people that have the obligations of their roles and some of the challenges that come into that too. And, and sometimes sometimes that creates friction within a company. It's not as easy as if a customer wants to place a large order, but they haven't paid a bill in eight months. At a certain point, you can't just continue sending customers more product if you're not getting paid by them. And so that's, that's an example I actually use in the book of a situation where building relationships is really beneficial. Mm-hmm. I think another thing that oftentimes people don't think about is, is and, and you guys do so well with this at Cutco, is the, the volunteering to lead. When you decide that you want to move into leadership and you get that feedback that either they don't think you're experienced enough or they haven't seen enough of, of what it takes, volunteering to lead uh, different leadership components is hugely important. One, it lets you develop skills that you're going to need. And, and two, it, it gives you the opportunity to get feedback from senior leaders on how to most effectively do that. Things like running interviews, running team meetings, helping coach, uh, coach new and upcoming representatives or employees of the company. I mean, these are the things where if you're in a leadership position, those are probably the three most important elements of, of leading a team, along with doing that while building a positive, collaborative culture. And so if you can learn how to do that and show that it will, before you actually have the job, not only is it going to make it more likely for you to get the promotion, but it help, it will help you fine tune those skills along the way. Yeah. And that, that really ties in also to the first point about building relationships. I think that when you're volunteering to lead, when you're acting as sort of a team captain, if you will, everybody around you sees that and it, it builds this impression of who you are that I think yep. is very powerful. Somebody taught me many years ago, you never know who might work for you one day. And the importance of thinking about that and understanding right, what kind of relationships you're trying to build with people, what type of image you're trying to build with people, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And just being conscious of always doing the right thing, being aware that people are watching you, just so key. You um, never know who's in the audience. Right, right. And, and so relationships, it's, it's key with your team, obviously with your peers, but then of course, as you said, your boss, your boss's boss, right. Trying to build those relationships as well. Yeah. I think that like building relationships with team and peers has always been a key to my success in vector. I can think back to somewhere around the time when you were around, or maybe just before you got around into vector, I went up to Seattle and I spent some time with Mark Lovis, who was at that time, the number one division manager. And it was a chance for me to to see how he operated, right? So there's more than just the relationship building, but there's also the observation that comes along when you have that relationship, you kind of get to see how people operate. What are the things they do? How do they do it? What do they say? How do they say it? In more recent years, I took a couple of my division managers out to Denver 
to visit Drew Frank, who has been one of the top performers in the company ever since you were around. And we had a chance to see him and how he operated and, and kind of get into the nuts and bolts of uh, how a champion thinks and acts and what they do. So these, these sorts of things, I think, are part of building relationships. And, and then, of course, as you said, uh, you know, connecting with your boss, connecting with your boss's boss, making sure that your boss's boss learns about you from you versus just from your boss. You want yep. them to get an impression of who you are from you, not just from the next person up, right? That's telling them about you. 100%. I think that's critical if you want to be able to advance, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, I think it's chapter five in the book, stating your intent. That's a huge piece of it. Obviously, you need to make your career roadmap well-known to your boss. But the point you brought up, I think it's perfectly said. You need your boss's boss and those even above him, for that matter, to get to build a relationship with you and actually make their own opinion and own their own assessment of you based on their own interaction. It's human nature. People filter you know, experiences and, and interactions with people in all different ways. And your boss, hopefully, built a good relationship with him and he thinks and speaks highly of you. But there's also things that once you get one, two, three levels above that other senior leaders are going to notice and pick out, and it may actually be more favorable to do that. So. Yeah. It's so important to think about as an employee, right? The level above you, two levels above you, but also as a leader to not just think about the people you're managing, but the people they're managing and who are the most important ones for you to connect with at that level so that you can make those assessments as well, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think when you think about it from that perspective, a huge theme of the book is really about flipping the script. And instead of, I think, you know, and it's easy to do when you're a salesperson and you learn how to control your own activity every day. It's how many leads did I get? How many phone calls did I make? How many appointments did I do? It, you know, it's very much centered around your own individual activity and leadership, especially at the higher levels is so much more than that. It's, you start thinking of several years in advance, and then you start thinking about how do I build my talent bench of different roles as a company grows and scales and there's going to be changes, you know, a CEO of a company or a VP of sales or someone at that level, the things that are on their radar are a lot more big picture than that. So they're also thinking about, all right, well, where are these managers? Where are they going to be moving to? Or is, is one maybe going to move to a different department? Is this one going to move up? Is this one going to move out? And then what's our talent bench look like underneath? And so they're, you know, and, and not just in their own department, but company wide. And so I believe it's hugely advantageous to network all the way up the ladder as high as you can possibly go, because you never know what's in store. The other thing is that, and this came up on another podcast I was on, is uh, the idea of really connecting with senior leaders and trying to understand what are the overarching problems or what are the big initiatives they're trying to solve in their day-to-day. -day. Mm. So, you know, for a CEO of a company, when you start thinking of that scale, and I would say as your leaders or as your listeners connect with those people, that's a great question to ask a VP of sales or, or a general manager or a CEO. Hey, so so what's what are your big initiatives right now? Like what are the big challenges you're, you guys are trying to tackle? it can be hugely insightful and they may say something that gives you the opportunity where you may have an idea or a solution that might actually scale company-wide. And so um, you want to get on the radar of people like that. <laughs> That's a really good way to shift the discussion away from yourself and your own development and focus on them and the overarching 
initiatives and problems they're trying to solve. Yeah. How does networking at levels above you work in the companies you've been with or in corporate America in general? Well, I think I've historically worked for a little bit larger medical device companies. And so, you know, to the vector audience, some of this might sound a little bit, a little different than how things work in vector. And it's not that way everywhere, but but it is a little bit more structured in the fact that if you're going to network up the chain above your boss, you definitely want to get your boss's support beforehand and then continue to build that relationship. It's also a lot more competitive, I will tell you, in, in a lot of ways. You have people that have been in certain industries for a long, long time. And so getting on the radar of a senior executive, those are the types of things that you have to do is you've got to differentiate yourself and show that you know, you're not just trying to promote yourself or kissing up to them because they happen to be in front of you at a conference and you want them to know who you are. The people that really do get on the radar are the ones that take the other approach and, and take it's almost a non-selfish or more of, I would call it off, off self and on purpose type approach of, of connecting with them in that way. Let's talk about them and their role and the broader objectives of the company and what we're trying to solve here. Those to me are the people that get on the radar faster. And obviously performance always matters, but once you reach a level of success where you're, you're hitting your, your number and you're exceeding for several years, in the corporate world, at a certain point, you've kind of checked that box. Now there's different layers of leadership that that you have to really be able to prove yourself in. Mm, okay. I'm glad you asked that because of all of these interviews I've been on, like that question has really not come up that way. Yeah. Which it, is it interesting just, to think about. It's something that I think that is sort of naturally built in in Cutco Vector is, you know, if you're a sales rep, once you've sold like five or 6,000 bucks, you're probably on your division manager's radar. Yeah. And, you know, division managers have built in events that they run that are designed to make sure they get to know that layer of their organization so that a sales rep is not just being developed by their immediate manager, but that the division manager is also there. And then certainly once somebody is a district manager of any level in the company, I mean, the lowest performing district manager even would be on my radar. So they're not just working with their division manager, but they have a direct line to me through, you know, we have weekly Zoom calls and we have several conferences a year where I'm in touch with them. I have some meetings with them. And then of course, any of them can reach out to me at any time. So there is a sort of a built-in double layer of development system in Cutco Vector. Yeah. And it seems like maybe that doesn't exist everywhere else, but if people are proactive about it, it can exist. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. I also think that some companies are just so huge. I mean, depending on the size of the company, my first medical device company, I think is 15,000 plus employees worldwide. And so when you start you know, talking of that scale and in terms of sales reps, only maybe a thousand of them are sales reps. It's not it's not like Vector where, you know, the majority are in, in a sales type role and then it's balanced a little bit differently. And so when you think of companies of, of scale of 15, 20, 25,000 people or more, even like, like a, a big company like Medtronic, that's a good example. There's a lot of people in those companies. So I think, you know, to, to get on the radar of senior leaders, you really have to, you know, double down on some of these things to to really show that you have the leadership ability and that 
that you're worth investing in that you differentiate from from some of the other some of your peers yeah so yeah it's fascinating how different you know some of these industries are but for sure but it's all the same it's all the same stuff it's all the same skills and the same strategies and, and tactics that you need to utilize to advance yeah so we've talked about building relationships we've talked about volunteering to lead we've talked about stating intent anything on any of those three that you feel like you want to add no i think we're pretty good on those the only other thing i would say on volunteering to lead is consider it kind of like a dress rehearsal and the example that i always use is so my daughter one of my daughters is a ballet dancer. She has been since she's been three years old. And it's amazing. So she dances four or five nights a week, two to three hours every night. And then they do several performances throughout the year. And these performances, you think about how much they practice every single day for these performances. And yet they only do two or three performances the whole year. And so that's so much practice. And I think something like volunteering to lead People can perceive that in a lot of different ways, but I think that that's something where consider it giving yourself a dress rehearsal where just think if you actually spent that much time practicing a skill and then got the opportunity to be able to put it into play in an actual job, how much more prepared, how much more ready, the greater likelihood you're going to have of being successful in that role ultimately. And that's probably for me. I mean, it took a long time for me to actually get that leadership position. But that was a huge piece of it is I was ready and I had been able to practice and and had a a three or four year dress rehearsal at that point. Yeah, I think that's also an instructive point for leaders to think about giving people a chance to lead, right? Giving people a chance, figuring out what you feel like they're, they're good at, that they could contribute beyond just the role that they're in now. And giving people that opportunity so that people have that chance to to elevate and, and step up. Well, and you talked about promoting people maybe even before they're completely ready for a role. And I think sometimes it it makes sense. And and in some businesses, it makes sense to do that if someone checks enough of the boxes that you need. But by giving people the opportunity to volunteer to lead proactively ahead of time before they get those roles, as a leader, you know, as a senior leader in an organization, you get your eyes on that person beforehand and how they lead. And so you're better able to coach them once they're in that role, especially if you're promoting them before you know they're ideally ready. It gives you the ability to know and expect where you're going to proactively need to coach them and the things that you're going to really need to be hypersensitive to. Yeah. Great stuff. Great stuff. You also talk in some of the early chapters about intentionally building your brand. What can you tell us about that, Brett? Yeah. So for me, this is probably the biggest thing that I didn't realize. So I was building a brand my whole career. What I didn't realize is the brand that I was building was not in alignment with the brand that I wanted people to perceive me in. Mm, Interesting. And so where it came out, this is the, the feedback that I think a lot of, and any of the sales leaders that are listening to this, I would encourage you to aggressively coach people on this point and don't be afraid and present it in a way that's obviously constructive, but don't be afraid of hurting people's feelings by giving them honest feedback in this way. And for me, it was the feedback no one ever gave me. And I was I was a successful salesperson at Vector, took a, a lot of that over to medical device sales, was successful there, and then realized after I didn't get a couple promotions, I was working with a physician in Stockton, California, helping him fit a patient. And I hadn't seen him in like six months. He had 
taken some time off and went and did some charity work in another country. And we had, he had come back and I hadn't seen him in a while. And after we were done with the patient, he said, Brett, hey, come in my office real quick. I want to catch up with you for a second. And so I said, all right, sounds good. So I go in, hey, what's up, Dr. Robinson? And he says, hey, are you okay? Yeah, I'm great. Couldn't be better. I mean, I work is good. My girlfriend just moved in. We're getting married next year. And and he, <laughs> he goes, that's it. That's it. Because the breath that I knew, you were the happy hour guy out doing the happy hours three or four nights a week, eating out and having a few drinks. And she cooks, doesn't she? <laughs> so, yeah, she's a really good cook. And, and we don't really drink that much anymore either. And he said, that's it. And what I didn't realize is, is I had I had lost, well, and I knew I lost about 20 pounds in, in those six months. And he thought I was sick, but I wasn't. <laughs> and then about eight months later, we have these things in medical device called science summits, where if we have a physician that's interested in learning about a product that we sell, we'll fly them to wherever it is. And then we bring other surgeons in to basically teach them about it and, and they can have a peer-to-peer -peer level discussion and, and ask questions. And so I was at one of those and one of my counterparts, Gabe, who we'd worked with for, I'd worked with him for my first few years there. We were eating lunch and he says, Brad, I got to tell you, I can tell you're doing, you're doing well. You're just, you're different now. Like you're different. And I thought he was going down the path of what Dr. Robinson said. So I go right in. Oh yeah. You know, we're getting married. I'm not out drinking as much, lost a bunch of weight, happy, healthy. And uh, he goes, no, no, no. I mean that, yeah, that's all fine and dandy and, and true, but you also act different. And I said, really? Like, how's that? And he said, well, you've always been cool and easy guy to get along with, but you're just, you present yourself now in a way that seems a little bit more responsible and you also seem like you care about people a little bit more. Where before, you know, you were cool, but I think you cared about yourself a little bit more than showing that you cared about other people as much. And so I came away with that and I thought, you know, mm. that's really interesting because no one had ever given me any of those pieces of feedback before. And so I took it and ran with it and realized that along the way, my first, whatever, 10 or 12 years in sales, I had unintentionally built a personal brand that was great if I wanted to stay as a sales rep for my whole career. And, and, you know, a lot of people do that, nothing wrong with that. But, and this is the question that I pose in the book is if you were to ask the CEO of the company, if he would hand you the keys to the company and all of the responsibility that encompasses that, would he do that? And obviously early in my career, that would, that was not the case, but that was the shift that I was able to make as I started really becoming more cognizant of how I was building my brand and how I was conveying myself to people and making sure that, look, if I want to be in a certain role, I need to be able to present myself in a way that aligns with what the senior leaders would expect of someone in that role. And that doesn't mean that you can't go out and have fun and all that, but it's a different level of thinking and there's different watch outs for sure. So and the, the chapter is a pretty long chapter in terms of just best practices on on how to build your brand. But for me, that was where it, where it really came through. It was unintentional for me. My wife saved me. But I think it's a piece of feedback that I would give people that are earlier in their career to not be short-sighted on and to really think through for the next 10, 15, 20 years, where you want to be in your career, who you need to connect with, and make sure that you're not alienating some of the audience that you would want to be connected to because of how you're presenting yourself. That is a huge, huge point for the Cutco Vector audience to really take in. 
is to think a little bit longer term about what kind of personal brand you want to build. Because when people are interacting, say, sales rep to sales rep, they want to be buddies and they want to party together and they want to do all the fun things that young people do. Most of our crew is uh, college-aged, right? But at some point, the switch has to flip for someone to decide, do I want to be somebody who is buddies with others or do I want to be somebody who's more of a leader? Right. And we try to create that sort of image of like the cool aunt or uncle, Mm -hmm. right. Or the cool big sister or big brother, right. That vibe is a lot more of an important vibe to have. If you want to be able to lead other people when you're still 21 or 22, like a lot of our young leaders are versus that the buddy vibe, right. And, And creating that this gets into so many things that we could talk about that apply to our audience. I, I just think about, for example, I try to impart upon my people a wisdom around their interactions at events. So things like how you use alcohol at an event for young leaders is a critical thing, right? I mean, we have a couple drinks at some events that we're at with our, our crew and we, you know, we have fun. We have good times. We do a lot of fun things. We do a lot of fun activities, but the ones who are leader like, never let that get out of control. They know when to stop, when to slow down, how to be responsible, right? And that's such a simple thing, but it's something that escapes so many people, even the ones that are 30 or even 40 years old now that yeah. are still behaving the way they did when they were 20, right? And, yeah. and and just making distinctions about who you want to, how you want people to view you, who you want to be looked at as that's such a critical piece of the puzzle, I think, for advancing into leadership in anything. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think and alcohol is probably the most relevant example and across any business too. I mean, the, the medical device industry is kind of the same way. And you'll see there's kind of a clear line where there's some people that, like you just said, they never grew out of that mindset. They've They've done it. And you just hope that they don't make any decisions are overindulged to the point where they make a career limiting decision. And fortunately, I'm thankful I never did. But then you also see the flip side of the leaders where they're they're they'll go and they'll have a drink or two and they'll have a good time, but not too great of a time. <laughs> and that's what I try to impart on, on any teams that I lead is you do want to be social. You, you want to have fun. And, and but there's also a limit. You need to know and, and be very cognizant of the fact uh, that people are watching, especially if you're in a leadership position eyes are on you at a greater magnitude than they ever are when you're a sales rep. So for sure. Great stuff. All super, super important things for people to think about as they are crushing their current job. These are all things that somebody who's doing super well at what they're doing can be considering as they're, they're uh, moving on up. One of your chapters in the book is called build a roadmap. Uh, can you tell us what this entails? Yeah. So this is really, uh, this is where the the intention and the brand and the leadership potential, uh, you, you use a roadmap to fill any gaps that exist or perception thereof. And so um, for me, you know, you decide that the next role you want to go into, you have to clarify what what does that role entail? And I think those are some of the things we've talked about are are things I advise people to do. Reach out to people that are currently in the role. Find out what the day-to-day is like. Find out 
what's expected of them, find out what the challenges are, make sure that this is really a good decision and that this is the path that someone wants to go down. And then also find out from the senior leaders above your boss what the expectations are going to be moving into this role. What are the expectations? What are the skills that you're going to need to have? And then how are you going to develop within that role? And then basically the roadmap is taking all of that and creating an action plan. And it's really no more complicated than that, but it's creating an action plan where you can either acquire those skills or get practice uh, you know, showing that you have them and you know, lead along the way. And so, like for example, uh, you know, people that were that used to report to me when I was when I was uh, VP of Sales uh, a couple jobs ago, we would build roadmaps for all of our top performers and then all of our team leads and even our managers as well. And it was that same model of what's your current role, what's the role that you want next, or what's that look like, and it may even be outside of our department. It might not even be in sales, but okay. So, what's that next role? What are the expectations? What are the requirements? What skills do we need to help you get that you may not have or, or we need to find out and make sure you have? And then how do we give you an opportunity to practice? And so for me, uh, like our sales managers, it, it, and it's very similar to the model you guys follow up with Vector. It was, I want you to, you're going to lead at least one team meeting a month. You're going to sit in on one to two interviews a month with prospective candidates that we're going to hire into the organization. And then you're also going to help coach one-on-ones. And the fourth thing was, uh, you know, inter- uh, help lead a company project. At that time, we were converting to a different CRM system. And so one of our sales managers, he was a team lead, wanted to be a manager. He was the most experienced person we had in our sales organization, Was knew our CRM inside and out, and also had a great relationship with the whole sales team. And so for someone like that, if we're going to make a large scale change and switch our CRM platform and everything that encompasses that, I wanted him to be able to get that experience, first of all, of helping lead a project like that, obviously interacting with senior leaders and and the, the contractors and everybody we brought in. But also, I wanted him to be able to go get that feedback from the sales team and make sure that we weren't missing anything. And so for him, that that was his career roadmap, is there were four things to help him build the skills that were necessary. And it worked out perfectly. The next sales manager position we had open was, I think, six or seven months after that. He was able to transition in. We were comfortable with it. And also, we were we knew that, that he was ready for that role. And so it's really just creating a roadmap is just an action plan. And I think part of that is you can also utilize outside resources as well, which that's a huge point that I would make is this is your development. And this is, applies to anybody at all levels. Your development is your own responsibility, first and mm. foremost. It's not the company's responsibility and not your boss's responsibility. And they will invest in you and they're going to obviously be a big piece of that picture. But in terms of your development, your career path, there's one person who's ultimately responsible for that. And that is each one of us. Exactly. That's such a great point. Just to hit on the roadmap here, I love the idea. Again, if you're a leader of thinking about how can I help my people build their roadmap, right? How can I help my team identify what is their next role? What are the, uh, what is the day-to-day going to look like in that next role? What are the skills they need to develop to get to that next role? Create that development plan, right? Put it into an action plan with a timeline, right? These are all things that people can be doing to be uplifting their their entire organization. That was great. 
um, <clears throat> you ended that part by saying there's a lot of resources people can use and everybody's got to have the mindset that their development is they're in charge of it. Most of all, first and foremost, right. Yeah. Um, tell me about some of the resources that people can take advantage of in order to advance more quickly in their career. Yeah. And th this is probably one of the most exciting things is there are so many resources available in today's day and age is almost an overabundance of them. So I would say my feedback to people is figure out first what works for you in your day-to-day. -day. For some people, especially salespeople, I know audiobooks and podcasts are really popular. If you're spending a lot of time in the car or a lot of time traveling, then that makes a lot of sense. I obviously am partial to books. I think if you were to look at just the ROI on that investment, not just financially buying the book, but what you're going to get out of it, uh, you know, books are especially well-written books are usually well-researched. The author has taken a, a lot of time to think about and, and come up with the content for it and present it in a way that hopefully makes sense uh, in a way that's actionable. And so, you know, not just partial to books because I've written a couple, but I, I think that in terms of the ROI of that resource, nothing beats a good book. Events. These can be a little expensive, but there's a ton of different personal development events that, that people can, can attend. You can also, depending on what company you work for, uh, a lot of companies will actually pay for, for you to attend different training events, whether it's sales training or leadership. They can be expensive, but I think they're worth the investment because you go and say you're going to an event for two or three days, you're able to fully immerse yourself in that topic for that period of time. And so I think that's the thing that's a little bit tough with a book is someone could take months or years to finish a book. And if you pick it up and set it down, you're not going to fully immerse yourself with that level of intensity unless you finish it quickly. The one watch out I will say of events, though, is, is I think that if you're going to invest the time and the money, you need to have a pretty good action plan afterward of how you're going to implement the things that you learn. Otherwise, you're not going to get the full effectiveness out of it. And so, and we've all seen that, you know, where people go to national sales meetings and they bring in a, a keynote speaker and pay tons of money and, and everyone leaves super fired up. But then two or three weeks later, the companies that actually perform well after the, the national sales meeting are companies that also have a great action plan and follow-up plan with their team afterward. And so coaching, I mean, executive level coaching, Dan, I know you're a big fan of that as well. I think it, it especially makes sense once you get to a certain level in your career to really try to invest more in yourself with that level of executive coaching. There's a lot of people that are just really experienced at, at high level stuff and it can be expensive. It makes sense at a sales rep level if it's at a price point that makes sense. But I think that at that level, the mentorship route may be even more impactful. So, and I think mentors, to me, this was a, Point number one, chapter one of my first book is mentorship. And when you're looking at looking to succeed at, at anything in the day and age we're in today, there are people that have succeeded and you have access to and or could have access to that you can make friends with, you can pick their brain, you can latch onto them, try to see how you can create value in, to them and, and you know their business, their family. But mentors to me are, are the number one, aside from books, probably the best avenue to, to learn from. And that was my experience in Vector. And I followed that path everywhere that I've gone. I think, you know, we talked about this the first time I was on the podcast. It took me, I think, 11 or 12 appointments to make my first sale in Vector. 
Even my own, my own mom didn't even buy from me my first time. And I was absolutely awful. But what I did is I went back to the team meeting that next Wednesday night and I go in the office and there's posters on the wall of Hal Elrod and Adam Kerchak and John Berghoff and these people. And, and then they tell us there's a division meeting coming up two weeks later. And I said, hey, are any of these guys going to be at this meeting? And of course they all were. And so I made it a point. I said, I'm going to go up and meet them. I've never been shy, but I want to do well at this thing. And so the relationships with those guys really were key in getting my sales career off the road. But the bigger piece of that was I was able to learn a model that works anywhere if you know how to make friends with people. Yeah. And in Vector, Brett, we offer all of what you just said, other than books, although we give great recommendations, but we offer the events, the coaching, the mentorship, all of those things at whatever price point anybody wants. I mean, there's free for That's all of awesome. those things in Vector. And then there's not very expensive for all those things in Vector. And then there are some that are more expensive for yeah. those things in Vector as well that people can take advantage of. So it's really whatever level they want to get into those things are offered for anyone to be able to advance and move up and get the training and the influence that they need in order to take it to the next level. Absolutely. Great stuff. Great stuff, Brett. I, I appreciate this. What other insights you feel like you have that you might want to get into? I think two others that we could talk about is the idea of adaptability and learning how to be adaptable. The example I use actually in the book is from my time with Vector. One of the examples that I had where, and this was, I think, back in uh, 2002 or 2003, you probably would remember more than I would. But when that, the whole do not call list, when that thing first came out and everyone was in an uproar and because they were thinking, oh gosh, does, is that going to apply to the direct selling market and all of this? And, and I remember, and, and so that was when we created, a, at, I think at the time, customer generated appointments was what it was called, where instead of just getting the list of names and then leaving before anyone changed their mind and didn't want to buy anymore, <laughs> you know, we actually would stay for a few minutes and ask them if they would get on the phone and call a couple of their friends. And I remember when we first launched that, all the top reps were really wigged out, were really concerned. Some of them wouldn't even do it, wouldn't even try it. And I remember having a conversation with Jay Brad Britton actually about it and you know, shared a lot of those concerns with him. And I remember him telling me, Brett, I think this is going to blow over. Like It seems like a big deal right now. And I know it, a lot of people are concerned, but just give this thing a try and see. And I bet you know if we look six, 12 months, two years from now, I don't think this is going to be a big deal at all. I think, you know, you, you guys that are the cream of the crop, you guys are going to evolve how we need you to. And the craziest thing is obviously his, he was right. And not only was he right, but it actually taught us a better way of doing the, right. of getting referrals. If you could actually get a referral and get a customer to call and say, hey, Sally, I'm sending this nice kid over to see you. And if you coach them on what to say and what not to say so that they can help you secure the appointment, it actually was a better way of doing things. And I think, you know, there's so many examples, not just in business, but in life where people become so resistant to change or we get so in our mode of the way we think something needs to be done that we almost become unadaptable. And I would caution people for that, that if, if there's a level of change that, that you're facing, and there's a, there's a whole chapter in the book on adaptability, Especially if you want to be a leader, you need to learn how to manage yourself and how to manage and, and, and work through change first. 
And when you're able to do that, then you're obviously, you're far more equipped to be able to help people do the same. And I think of that example that, that Jay Brad gave, I mean, that was the best advice that anyone could have given at that time. And, and it was 100% true. And so I think adaptability, skills is important, but the world's always going to change. And you're going to work for companies that they're going to need to change along with the markets and all of the external factors that we have no control over in, in most cases. But what we do have control over is how we want to look at things and how we want to process it, internalize it, and then the actions we want to take. So Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. You, you said uh, there were a couple last things that you wanted to get to. One of them was adaptability. And then uh, what was the last thing? The last point that I would leave actually is is something I learned from Mark Lovis several years ago. He he had this saying that uh, to be successful, you need to be off self and on purpose. Mm-hmm. And at that time, when I was working with Vector, you know, I think I thought of it through the lens of a sales rep, and which wasn't wrong by any stretch. It worked well, but I think when I think through leadership and developing other people and and the big picture there are so many layers to that message that the simplicity of it gets lost and when i was on my leadership journey right before i got promoted i had just finished a a leadership development program and it was an 18-month program our company paid for us to go through it there were 12 of us i think that that participated in it and at the end of it, we had to present the night before the national sales meeting, we had to present to the entire C-suite of the company. So we had the CEO, the CFO, COO, and then all of the vice presidents and you know everyone in management below them. And it was the before dinner started, it was us 12 presenting what we had learned through this program and, and our recommendations if, if we would change anything along the way. And for whatever reason, I don't know, they made me go last. I guess they thought I was, they thought I was going to crush it. And I get up there and the girl in front of me had just literally knocked it out of the park, had like the standing ovation. And so I get up there and I'm feeling the pressure and, and I go to start and I literally can't say anything because I'm so nervous. And then I just remembered what Mark had said is, all right, Hey, this isn't about me. This is about them. I need to deliver what they want. And so I I opened and the line actually was the quote by Cal Ripken after they interviewed him after he had set the record for most consecutive games played. And he said, well, I became really comfortable being uncomfortable. And uh, and so I say that I said, as you guys can tell, that's kind of the mindset I'm operating out of right now. (laughs) And they all just started laughing and, and obviously, you know, lighten the mood and I felt fine. But it dawned on me, you know, I think that sometimes we get in situations, whether it's as a sales rep or, or presenting in front of a, a customer or an organization or, you know, podcasts like this right now, where it's easy to get wrapped up in what we think we need to do versus what's my purpose of what am I actually trying to accomplish here? And so in that, you know, in that setting, the senior leaders had already decided they were going to continue moving forward with the same company because they they saw our development for the last 18 months. They knew the program made sense and they wanted to, but they wanted our feedback on what adjustments they should tweak along the way. And so I was so wrapped up in how I was presenting and how I looked and making sure I didn't have any ums or vocalized pauses and how I presented it. They didn't even care about any of that. They just wanted the information. And so I think that's the thought that I would leave the group with is really when you think of leadership and, and leading at higher levels, it's not about yourself. It's about the purpose of what you're trying to accomplish and, and your audience and 
your team and who you need to connect with and how you can be the one to help facilitate and connect those dots. Yeah, great, great insight for sure, Brett. What's next for you, my friend? I don't know, not any not any books anytime soon, that's for sure. <laughs> you got two, no, you got two already. Got two, yeah. No, I'm on a good path right now. I'm, I'm in a really good role in, in medical device sales, leading a lot of the corporate accounts efforts for for my team. And so it's awesome get to get to interact with the senior leaders of the company and then help obviously with our sales team and their strategy and how we deploy that. My family's in a good spot. The book's going great. If anyone wants to check it out, I have three kids I have to put through college and two daughters. So weddings are going to be coming up at some point in the future too. So, but yeah, I would love if your audience, if if they like what they heard and would like to connect with me either on LinkedIn or any of the social media channels, I'm always looking to make more friends. So yeah. And where can they find you and what's the best way to stay in touch with you? Any of the social channels, I'm Brett Berry, Brett with one T and then Barry's B-A-R-R-I-E or my website, brettberry.com, any of them. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn probably the most of all, but yeah, any of those channels would be fine. All right. Sounds great. Well, Brett, thanks so much for all your insights here. I appreciate it. I'm sure people got a lot of value and can implement some of the things you talked about right away, whether they're striving to get promoted and what they're doing now, or whether they're a leader hoping to help others move up. What you've shared has been relevant for everybody. So thanks so much. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me, Dan. Really appreciate it. That was Brett Berry, everyone. The book is called Promoted. It is the proven path to career advancement. Of course, starting with crushing at whatever job you are in right now, that is the obvious first step to moving up in anything is to thrive where you are now. Brett talked about volunteering to lead as a part of that, taking on opportunities to practice some of the things you'll need and gain the skills you'll need for the next level. He talked about stating your intent, right? With your managers, with your manager's manager, to be able to have the kind of relationships where you can find out, right? What are they trying to solve? How can you assist in that? How can you position yourself for those next steps making sure people know that that's what you want. Of course, building relationships along the way at all levels. This is both above you and below you in your organization. That's a critical piece of the puzzle. And what all of this is doing is it's building the brand that you want to build of who you are and what you bring to the table in an organization. And Brett talked about building a brand that's in alignment with what you really want most. That is such a critical thing to think about, and therefore it is important to think one year, two years, or more down the road, not just today, right? But what brand, what image do you want to build of you for the future? Give that a little thought because that does affect how you think and operate right now. Brett talked about the idea of a roadmap, understanding what role you want to go to next and what's after that, what's the day-to-day work like, what are the skills necessary, having your development plan, having your action plan for that was all key. And if you're a leader, helping your people build their own roadmaps is a great idea. And then Brett also referenced the many resources that anyone can utilize. And I love the idea that your development is your own responsibility, right? What books are you reading? What audios are you consuming? 
What events are you attending? What coaching are you getting? And who are you surrounding yourself with as mentors who can help lead and guide you on your path to the career advancement that you seek? All of that was great stuff. I appreciate having Brett Barry here to offer his expertise today. Brett was featured in episode number 52 on this podcast. If you want to hear more about his story, particularly his Cutco Vector experience, you can check that out. There's also a flashback Friday, which was episode number 282. That's the very best nuggets from Brett's original podcast episode. Again, check that out if you enjoyed hearing from Brett Barry. Get the book. We always love to support our Cutco Vector alumni by supporting their book projects and the other things that they're doing. So if you enjoyed hearing from Brett today, pick up a copy or 10 of his book. We appreciate that and share this podcast with others. That is always something you can do that helps spread the great work that the Cutco Vector network of leaders and alumni is doing all throughout the world. That's what we're all about here. So thanks very much for supporting this podcast. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.